Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined this week by Robert Alexandre Pujad, ESG analyst in our Sustainability Center, to discuss biodiversity. Uh, appropriate timing, I would think, as May 22nd was the UN International Day for Biological Diversity. So I think that highlights that this topic, this concept, is is certainly getting more attention paid to it. And I think it's safe to say this is one of the perhaps unexpected consequences of the pandemic insofar as it has certainly uh, made all of us think much more globally than we did in the past, and not only about healthcare issues, but certainly about the environment uh, and thinking about how problems and opportunities affect all of us. It's not just the, the town or the city that we live in. If we think about biodiversity then, uh, Robert Alexander, I'm going to start with a, a fairly simple question for our listeners who may not be quite as familiar with the topic as you are. Uh, so what is biodiversity all about? Uh, and when I read, I also see a discussion around biodiversity loss. So what is it exactly? Because on one hand, I think uh, biodiversity uh, loss is, has been around for a long time. Maybe what's really changed is just the attention that we're giving to it. Yeah, so hello, everybody. So yeah, I mean, just to, to, to understand what we're talking about today, uh, we can maybe go back to 1922 when uh, uh, the Convention on Biological Diversity in Rio uh, defined biodiversity as the, the variability among uh, living organisms from all sources, including uh, terrestrial, marine, and other aquatic ecosystems and the ecological complexes of which they're part. So just to sum up, that means diversity within species, between species, and of ecosystems. So uh, now today, when we talk about biodiversity loss, of course, uh, I guess we've been all living on planet Earth lately and seeing all the, uh, you know, BBC Earth documentaries and looking at all those those uh, those reports, which are very uh, uh, picturing a gloomy um, future for us. And, and that's the reality, right? That's the reality that uh, there is an unprecedented rate of, of biodiversity loss. Uh, people are calling... Uh, like scientists are calling this the, the, the six max uh, extinction event because the last one was the you know the dinosaur uh, you know extinction uh, millions of years ago, um, so the the rate uh, of extinction is is very very fast, and this is just uh, you know scientific uh, uh, evidence from from IPBES. Uh, so may, maybe worth also talking about what IPES is. Uh, it's uh, the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services. Uh, so it's established by states, you know, to really reinforce the the the, the science policy interface uh, for biodiversity and ecosystem services. So basically, kind of the equivalent uh, of the uh, IPCC uh, for for climate, but for biodiversity and ecosystem services. So as investors and as all the different stakeholders, we rely on IBES to show us the, the latest science, to show us the latest findings. And uh, these are gloomy findings I was mentioning, because today the, the, there are many drivers of, of biodiversity loss. Of course, there are indirect drivers um, uh, from the impact of our economy, but uh, they like you know, conflict, epidemics, demographics, social cultural uh, behavior. But there are direct drivers, and this uh, the IBES uh, is really uh, educating us, uh, investors and, uh, and and others, on what are the direct drivers of biodiversity loss. 
So if we, I can maybe speak really fast of, of those ones, because I think it's really important for, for all of us to, to have those in mind. Basically, there are like five direct drivers of biodiversity loss. So the first one is one of the biggest uh, driver is land and sea use change. So you would you would see in that you know uh, deforestation, for example, because when you convert uh, the forest ecosystems into a different ecosystem uh, like uh, agricultural production, uh, there is there is obviously a big impact on on biodiversity. If I if, if I just use the forest example, you know they they are. Uh, receptacle of 80% of uh, terrestrial biodiversity. So, of course, uh, cutting a forest, uh, you know, has huge impacts on terrestrial biodiversity. The the other, uh, you know, uh, another direct driver is uh, obviously a direct exploitation of species. So, there you would see, uh, we can think of, for example, of the the fish stock decline. You know, we've been uh, eating a lot of fish and, and really... Uh, uh, a lot of fishes are at the at either overexploited or at the maximum withdrawal rate uh, on 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 those stocks. So that that's another example of the of the, the, the human pressure on that we're putting on 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 species. Uh, the third driver of biodiversity loss is climate change, and and here you can see the intercorrelations between climate change and biodiversity loss, of course, because uh, so. We need to fight uh, against climate change, and we need to do that also to tackle biodiversity loss. So there is a lot of interlinkages between the two the two dimensions. The fourth uh, driver of biodiversity loss is uh, forms of pollutions. So we can include there, you know, plastic pollution. We can include there different type of pollution that are uh, affecting uh, ecosystems. You know, plastic pollution for marine ecosystems uh, and marine biodiversity. You, you've seen uh, very, uh, very much the, the the plastic epidemic, let's say, and all the, the different oceans have a very high rate of microplastics. Uh, even the Arctic keyboards were found in the Mariana Trench. You know, 11 kilometers depths. So this is the reality of the of the, the huge pollution today on on the oceans, for example. And the fifth one is is invasive alien species. Uh, which is kind of hard to tackle from an, an investment perspective and, and, and to act on it um, because uh, uh, it's something a little bit less documented today, even though there's been a huge uh, improvement on, on understanding the cost for the economy of invasive alien species and, and the impact they are having on biodiversity. Well, if I could actually pick up on the last point that you made about the economic impact, kind of what is the link then? On one hand, you know, in the abstract, we can think about uh, the loss of, of species uh, and extinctions, but how do we get the connection to the potential economic implications? Yeah, sure. So there's been a lot of reports uh, showing uh, like the huge dependency of the economy on the healthy biodiversity. So... Uh, well, if we if we think about the first the, the value uh, that biodiversity and ecosystems are are bringing to our economy, it has been estimated uh, to be uh, 125 trillion dollar each year. So that's based on the uh, you know great work of uh, the economist Constanza. But there's been so many different reports, like the Desgupta review, the the, the late Desgupta review uh, from. Um, that has been commissioned by the UK government this year is showing that we we are uh, relying on a healthy biodiversity and more than 55% of, of the global GDP uh, is relying on a healthy biodiversity. 
So there is, it's another incentive to, to protect what, what is out there, of course. Uh, and if you see uh, also from a, an, a sustainable development goal perspective, you know, uh, there are like 17 development goals that states and uh, the private sector are, are trying to, to, to achieve. Uh, so access to better food, access to energy, access to uh, health. So, you know, all all those are SDGs, and I'm sure you're familiar with those. Well, biodiversity loss is threatening 80% of the achievement of of uh, the SDG sub-targets related to poverty, hunger, health, uh, oceans, and land. So there's the economic part. There's the social uh, the the social part, of course, and and which are uh, obviously need to be addressed uh, by tackling uh, biodiversity loss. Um, so if we go back to figures, let's say, and understand maybe with more concrete terms uh, of what ecosystem services are, for example, and what they provide to, to our economy, uh, well, we can think about, you know, for example, forest as a filtration system for, for water. Uh, we can think about you know, uh, like medicines that are found in also in uh, in, in either the ocean uh, or uh, through algae, for example, or through through plants. So we need a lot of diversity to, uh, even from a COVID perspective, to protect uh, our health and and find and find new new medicines. Um, same with the soil for farming, of course. If you don't have a good soil quality, well, you that will affect your your uh, agricultural uh, yields. So this is why, for example, from a, a, a biome perspective, uh, so a biome is, is like uh, uh, the Cerrado in, in Brazil or the Amazon in Brazil, so those are biomes. Well, if there is a, a certain rate of deforestation in those biomes, that could uh, change uh, the whole uh, water system in those biomes and then affect the water that can be used or can be available for uh, the agriculture. And that will ultimately affect the, the GDP of the whole country, which is uh, relying on, on, on agriculture. So this is the chain of events. And uh, if we uh, think about, for example, the I mentioned the $125 trillion uh, of you know, the, the annual value that uh, those ecosystem services are providing to our economy. But if you think about the Mexican mangrove, that would be uh, 70 uh, billion uh, that would be provided uh, to uh, to the economy uh, each year. Uh, and that would be including, you know, storm protection, fisheries resources, or ecotourism. So this is what we are, we are talking about. Um, and, and, and those services need to be really protected. Somebody see them as free, but they are not free. Uh, we, if we think about pollination, for example, this is one of the the most topical example for for to talk about uh, the the reliance on our economy and on agriculture and food production on on ecosystem services. We use pollination. You know, uh, there's a, uh, the the stat is that you know the pollinators play a key part in the global food production. It's estimated by five or eight percent of global food production. Well, if you don't have pollinators, well you know, this, that will be uh, the equivalent uh, is really is really uh, easy to do. Then you will just lose the, this part of the global food production. So there's a big incentive to, to protect bees and other pollinators uh, uh, that people see them as a, as a free service today. And if you are an almond uh, Californian producers, you know uh, they are not free, right? Uh, because you have to import that by, uh, by trucks each year to, to do the pollination of, or your almond trees. 
that was helpful to understand the connection between kind of the concept of biodiversity and economic impact. Let's maybe take it one level further and think about the investment industry. It's also becoming a more relevant, more important topic for asset managers, as it happens, uh, I believe the BNP has put out its own biodiversity roadmap. Perhaps you can explain what that is and also more broadly, what really can asset managers do about all of this? Yeah, sure. I think the, there, there's a big momentum uh, from uh, an investment perspective um, on the, on this topic. Uh, I'm going to just step back a second and say that the Benpe Paribas Group has also released this month a, a position uh, on, on biodiversity. So there is a, a big alignment, you know, either the, the group on the financing side, for example, and us on the investment side uh, on, on this topic. And, and we are very vocal about it because, of course, of the of the, the issue and what is at stake, what I just described, you know, a million species at risk and, 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 and you know, the risk for our economy and for our, also our returns. Um, but but yeah, so that that was the context. So what what it means for us, uh, you know, as investors, how we can approach this topic? Uh, well, we 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 just released our biodiversity roadmap and announced also a partnership with uh, with CDP, uh, which is a um, uh, like an, uh, a data working on on improving the data on biodiversity. So we we, we want to play a role there and, and push for more uh, corporate disclosure. On those topics, because today there is a data gap, uh, which means that it's it's difficult to to understand uh, the the risk and opportunities for our portfolios related to biodiversity, uh, since we lack some of the the, the measurement or, or the data that we can find on other topics, for example, on to, to understand our, our climate change risk, let's say, or or our carbon risk. Uh, there are more data uh, which which are relying on. Uh, on a, a more accounting principles for, for carbon. For example, the greenhouse gas protocol is instrumental in that. Well, we, we don't have all that on biodiversity. So there's uh, there's a lot of initiatives to to, uh, to improve the, the quality of the data on, on the biodiversity side. Um, so that was um, just to talk about the, the CDP partnership that we announced. And and, and then if I, if I now uh, touch upon our, our roadmap, so why did we do roadmap? Because we, we wanted to, to put some clarity to our stakeholders and, and to you that, that are listening to, so that you could understand what we want to do, uh, what are our expectations and what, are our, what is our journey uh, going to, to, to be like. Um, so we have basically uh, used our, our, our global sustainability strategy, which is something which underpins everything we do uh, around sustainability at, at Paris Asset Management. And we have you know, develop the biodiversity roadmap inside the, the six pillars of what we call sustainable investment. So it's a 42-page document that I invite you to read. Uh, but basically, the the highlight is that uh, we we want to include more biodiversity into our approach to ESG integration. You know, ESG is environmental, social, and, and governance. So what does it mean? It means that, uh, for example, on carbon, uh, we have... Uh, uh, try to understand the, the carbon intensity of, of our portfolios and the portfolio managers, they, they know, they, they have like guidelines to have a, a lower uh, carbon uh, intensity or respective to their, their benchmark, for example. Well, this is something that we want to continue also for other dimensions. So, for example, on water, forests, on biodiversity, uh, these are things that uh, portfolio managers should include more 
uh, when they assess risk and opportunities. So we have uh, started a big program to uh, to, to discuss uh, those issues uh, with them. And uh, maybe also worth mentioning that we have um, an investment community of, um, of what we call ESG champions in either the portfolio manager's side or also the, the sales or, or client-facing uh, people, uh, which are really assisting us uh, in the sustainability center, uh, which is the team I'm part of, uh, to really deploy the strategy within, uh, within our firms and within uh, our, uh, how we, we speak about those issues. The other big big part, which I think is, of course, super interesting uh, for discussion today, is, is how we incorporate biodiversity in, the, in our corporate engagements. Um, so this is the, you know, the so-called stewardship uh, piece. Uh, so we, as part of individual engagement, we already talk, for example, last year with 35 you know, companies on either forest or biodiversity issues. So pushing for more traceability in the soy and beef uh, industry, pushing for more adoption of biodiversity strategies in the financial sector, for example, with some banks or, or uh, in, in the chemical industry. Uh, so that's something that we do. But there are another angle uh, on the stewardship side is what we call the collaborative engagement. So it's when you know investor collides with other investors. And you know, adding uh, uh, trillions of uh, assets under management to push for more disclosure or adoption of practices. Well, we want to do that also on biodiversity. And you might be aware of one of the the most visible uh, collaborative engagement today on climate called Climate Action 100 Plus, uh, where basically us and other investors talk with the 100 highest uh, emitters of greenhouse gas emissions in the world. Um, well, I think this is something very, uh, you know, interesting because of the, it's a very high level, let's say, coalition. Well, it might be good to do the same on, on nature uh, and, and push for more uh, disclosure and, 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 and adoption of, of uh, good uh, policies also on biodiversity. So we want to be active there. And another part, I think, is also on the policy making um, to try to influence uh, like the achievement of a very good uh, target at, uh, at the international event, which is very important, which is called COP15 uh, at the end of this year in Kunming in China. Uh, well, we, we hope there's going to be a, an agreed target to reduce biodiversity loss uh, at this event. So we will push for a right level of ambition. Uh, so this is something important to keep in mind. Um, another, I think, topic, which is, which is uh, also when I talk that the group, Ben Paribas group, has put a lot of efforts uh, on this topic. Well, we, we rely also on them uh, to define, you know, what we call the sector policies. So there are some sectors with key biodiversity risks. We can mention the agricultural policy, for example. Uh, well, so we will we will need to continue our ongoing review of those sector policies and embed biodiversity uh, over time. There is another uh, angle, uh, which is how we talk about that and how we understand those issues in the investment community. Well, I think the podcast today is uh, is a good uh, testament of, of that. It's also our role, you know, to to talk about those issues and to give more visibility to biodiversity. And so, yeah, there is a podcast, there is video, but it's also a range of, you know, uh, private and public partnerships and collaboration initiatives that uh, we participate in. Uh, I think it's it's uh, it's also our, our role as 
what we call our future maker. We, we, we see ourselves as future makers and not future takers. Well, so this is, a, this is a, what I was meaning by this is our role as, as investors. Um, and, and then, you know, there are the, the last two angles uh, of the roadmap would be uh, uh, how we provide clients with solutions targeting at solving biodiversity challenges. So you will see uh, funds uh, uh, that are relating to that, but I won't spend too much time talking about, about those. Uh, and, and finally, we need to walk the talk, uh, right? Uh, because uh, Daniel, I don't know if you, you've seen all the, the plastic, uh, the single plastic phase outs uh, uh, as you know, there's been in, in the uh, Paris office uh, here. And there's been a lot of efforts in all our offices in the world. So that's, you know, uh, some way that we can uh, increase employee awareness on biodiversity issues by, by showing that we try to be... Uh, as, as good as possible also on, on reducing our, our direct footprint on, on biodiversity, also working on, you know, our internal zero waste target. So that's also important in our, in our roadmap. Great. Thanks very much, Robert Alexandre. You've explained to us what biodiversity is. Uh, that is the diversity within and between species, uh, which is certainly something we want to have, but at the same time concern primarily now about biodiversity loss given that the rate of species extinctions is very high compared to history. Uh, and if we think about the drivers of that process, on one hand, economic growth, uh, geopolitical conflicts have an impact, but also simply climate change. So plenty of drivers for this biodiversity loss. And that matters, of course, on one hand, because we care about the environment, but there is also an economic dependency on having a healthy ecosystem and having biodiversity. Just one example, we think of all the medicines that we derive from nature. And if you have less diversity in nature, then it's reasonable to conclude you have less opportunity to find medicines to help humanity. It's an important topic, certainly for BNP Paribas Group. Uh, we've published a global sustainability strategy, also published a biodiversity roadmap to help us incorporate these thoughts, uh, these factors into the way that we invest. Well, that's all the time we have for today. If you would like more information, please check out our Investors Corner blog, or if you have any questions, reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks to Robert Alexander for sharing his insights. Please join us next week when I'll be speaking with Peter Abbott about the outlook for European equities. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.